trip last July. And so, and then when we got to September, we surprised that him. Remember? So if you know Sister Durant doesn't like to fly, in the last two months she's flown to Europe, Paris, and we sent him to Italy. Then she got home, and she begged me. She said, please don't send us anywhere in February. She said, can we go by train? Can we go by car if we have to go anywhere? So we sent them on their 20th pastoral anniversary in December, and Sister Durant and Pastor Durant were surprised with that. And then he surprised her at Thanksgiving and on their anniversary and said they're going on another trip. So uh, she's been very surprised, and she's been traveling. I think when she gets home, we just need to let her rest. <laughs> we won't send her anywhere. In Feb- For Valentine's Day, we're going to let her stay home. So I want to talk to you this morning about... The title of my message is Hell Missed. Because if we look at Scripture here, and I want to talk a little bit about jets and missiles and things have been happening in Iran, and this didn't stir the message. But most of the time, missiles, if you don't know, they're quite faster than our airplanes, than our fighter jets. But missiles don't turn quite as well as our fighter jets do. In the early days... The integrated air defense system, a really fast or high-flying jet could outrun them because at some point, the missile runs out of gas and they could outrun them back way back when we first started. But in modern days, if the missiles are still running on its motor, outrunning them is no longer a viable option. Modern day missiles are capable of supersonic speeds, Mach 4 and Mach 5. This leaves the defending aircraft with a very few options. So they can do some evasive maneuvering. Probably most of us have seen a clip or something of Top Gun, right? And they're outmaneuvering and evasive. And we've all dreamed of being a fighter pilot until we realize that we really don't want that job. The defending fighter jet maneuvers his way out. In other cases, if the motors are still hot, missiles begin to, they're heat seeking. So they're going after the motor. So they would shoot out basically a super hot flare. Or if you had a, if you had seen those emergency kits and you've seen something where you're stuck in the land, you're supposed to shoot this up, right? It's like that, but just super hot. And in the hopes that that missile will follow the flare. Well, technology grew and now we have missiles that are on radar. And so now they have, they shoot out, basically it's like a confetti, but it's metal. And hopefully they shoot that metal out and the plane maneuvers and the missile follows that metal that comes out of the back of the plane. There was one gentleman and he was a fighter pilot, Air Force Major Tulia. And he said, when the air defense missiles began coming up when he was in Iraq, he said, there, I can outrun one, and I can outrun two. He said, but I went through every flare. I shot off all the metal, the, the chafe. He said, in that day, I have no idea how I outmaneuvered six missiles. I have a feeling when he landed, because at some point, he was maneuvering so fast and so hard 
that he blacked out because he was going so fast on one of his turns and woke up. You don't want to black out when you're a fighter pilot. I just have a feeling when he touched down on the ground that he began to thank God that hell missed. See, sometimes in life, we need to thank God because you're not that smart and I'm not that smart. How did hell miss? Because of God. How did hell miss? Because of God. Let's look at 1 Samuel 19 and 8. And there was war again. Not just in our times, in Bible times. And David went out and he fought with the Philistines and slew them with a great slaughter. And they fled from him. And the evil spirit from the Lord was upon Saul. As he sat in the house with his javelin in his hand, and David played with his hand. David played the harp. And Saul sought to smite David, even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and, the, and he smote the javelin into the wall. And David fled and escaped the night. So Saul sent messengers onto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And Michal, David's wife, told him, saying, If thou save not thy life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. So Michal let David down through a window, and he went, and he fled, and he escaped. God, I want to preach from the bottom of my heart to your wonderful people here this morning that hell missed. And we're still standing, and we're still going, and we're still moving forward. And there is no devil in hell. There is no weapon formed against your people that will prosper. That you are with us when the sun comes up, and when the sun goes down, and when the mountains rise and the mountains fall, you're still king, and you're still Lord, and we're still on your side, and we're still going to lift up the name of Jesus. Somebody help me one more time. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together here in the house of the Lord. Yes, God. You're so good. Yes, Lord. You may be seated. I know it's our 915 service, and I know we're probably supposed to be a little more relaxed, but I believe there's about five or ten people that came to have church this morning with me. I want to let me back up here into the historical context of this story because it's from King David before he was king. David wasn't king at this point. So it's a great story. And for those that aren't privy to the story, let me tell you. So David is the most famous king of Israel. But before David, there was another king, King Saul, the first king of Israel. Now, for the, for the reason some people... Work began to complain and whine. The Israel, Israelites began to complain and whine to God that they wanted a king. So let me put this in a perspective for you. God had a different system set up because God, Jehovah God, wanted the, he wanted to be the king of Israel. He didn't want a human king of Israel. So he had a system where they had judges and prophets, and they would administer and govern the people. They would tell the people what God wanted them to do. But the people began to cry and complain, and the people became jealous of the other nations. They became jealous of them, and they wanted a king. The culture is saying one thing, 
and they said, we would like to have what the world has. So then Samuel went back, and Samuel went back, and he went to God, and he began to plead to God on behalf of the Israelites. And God said, we already have a system in place. Why do they need a king? And, and Samuel said, well, they want a king they can see, and they want a king they can touch, and they want a king they can complain to. They want to have what the world has. And sometimes we want what everybody else has. The moment you want what everybody else has is the moment you begin to go down the proverbial slippery slope. Because if I remember correctly, the church is supposed to be the head and not the tail. We don't need or want everything the world has because we have God. And if it's truly if God is all we need, we don't need the world system. Not everything the world does should be imitated by the church. Shouldn't the world be more like the church instead of us more like the world? So Samuel went to God and he said, your people are complaining. They want to be like the world. They want a king they can touch. They want a king they can complain to. And God said, against what I want, I'm going to do this for the Israelites because I love them and we're going to give them a king. So they appointed this tall, dark, handsome, probably looked a lot like me, a warrior, a construction worker like me. He was the cover of GQ magazine. He would have been on all the tabloids that you ladies read on the grocery store as you're checking out. But Saul had a problem. Saul had a pride issue. Saul comes along and, and he makes a couple mistakes because of his arrogance. He disobeyed God. When you're not willing to do the will of God or walk in the word of God, you will open your heart to every evil spirit in this world. An evil spirit from the Lord? Brother Mark, how could that be? That's a contradiction. How could a good God send an evil spirit or produce an evil spirit? He doesn't. It's that God permitted these spirits to come to Saul. The judgment, the judgment of God is not when God gives you a pow. Or I'll, I'll tell Zadie or Nix, I'm going to give you a whooping. I'm going to whoop your tail. I don't say that because I don't love them. I say that because I do love them. I'm going to whoop their tail because I'm not going to raise a spoiled brat. God whoops our tail sometimes because we need to get a realignment in our life. When you, when you whoop your child's tail, or you, God forbid a grandparent ever has to do that, but we probably need, they need to a little more. You're, what are you doing? You're realigning that child. I know we're in California. We just do timeouts, okay? We don't do whoopings. But back in the day, whoopings worked. Sometimes I feel like we don't like it when God has to give us a little whooping. But let me tell you, a little whooping is better than what's going to come if you don't get realigned. The judgment of God isn't when he gives you a whooping. The judgment of God is when he stops protecting you. By the way, that's not just an Old Testament principle. We can go to Acts 5 and then we'll get. But there were moments when God said, I would rather deal with, have you deal with the spirits to help you get realigned than to take my protection from you, to take my spirit from you. So he disobeyed God. So he was tortured by the spirits. So here we are in 1 Samuel 19. Then Saul sent troops to David's house, right? They were told to kill David when he came out the next morning. But Michal, David's wife, 
warned him. He said, hey, 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 if you don't get out tonight, my dad is going to kill you. I saw some of his best men. They were, they're hiding around the house. We have to get you out. So how did he get to this place where he's crawling through a window to escape? So Saul is king right now. And Saul one more time disobeys God. So God says, all right, all right, man, you're doing it again. I'm going to do this. What did God do? It's like a movie. It's crazy. It's tragic. It's sad. The Bible says on the saddest verses here, this is what happens if you don't get realigned. And God took his spirit away from Saul. Imagine living life without the spirit of God. There's a reason that I don't want to be here after the rapture. Because I don't want to be here when the Holy Spirit is not on this earth anymore. When the Holy Spirit doesn't permeate this. If you can't live for God now, when the Holy Ghost is on this earth and his presence is on this earth, how do you think you're going to live for God after the rapture? By the way, David saw this firsthand example. He's a young man at this point, and he saw the spirit leave Saul. So why do you think in Psalm 51, when he was caught in his sin, why do you think that David said, Oh, Lord, please take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Take anything else, God. Punish me any other way, but don't take your spirit from me. Because he saw the outcome of a life of someone that did not have the Spirit of God on him anymore. He saw somebody tortured by the spirits. He saw somebody who the Spirit had left. Are you with me right now? So David, when he messed up, he cried out, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. So Saul's being tormented by spirits. And this is what happens. Victory is for those who will walk in the will of the Lord and do the will of the Lord. So Saul's being tormented again. So Saul just does what he knows to do. Call the musicians. Call the singers. Because when he first messed up in Samuel 16, I don't have time to go all the way back, he would call David in, and David would play, and David would praise the Lord, and David would worship God, and the evil spirit would leave him because the Holy Spirit was upon him. But here we are. So this is what would happen. The shepherd boy, call the shepherd boy, call the worshiper. David wasn't even a a great warrior necessarily at this point. He took out Goliath, but he wasn't known as a warrior. He was just the kid that got lucky, that took out Goliath. So Saul would say, bring in David. David would actually play the harp. Come on, David, play the harp for me. So David would play the harp back in the day. Saul, what's going on? I'm being tormented by evil spirits. He goes, I got this, I got this. David, play. David, sing. David, worship. These weren't rumors. This really happened. This is what would happen. Psalm 71, 22. And I will praise you, Lord, with the music on the harp. I want you to hear this. Psalm Samuel 16, 23. This is what happened. And the evil spirits would go away. Psalm 70, 20, 71, 22. Look it up. He would play on the harp. And David wrote, I will praise you with my harp. And the demons would flee, Samuel 16, 23. David would praise and demons would flee. David would praise and demons would flee. David would praise and demons would flee. 
Dave, this is not Mark Waddle theology. This is not some UPCI theology. This is the Word of God theology. If David would praise, demons would flee. If David... I don't know if my microphone is on this morning. Because if David would praise, demons would flee. If David... If you would just praise him, the demons would flee. If you would, oh, magnify the Lord with me, the demons would flee. If you would, oh, bless the name of the Lord with me, demons would begin to flee. Now, one more time, let's give him praise in the house because the demons are fleeing. David would praise and demons would flee. David would praise and demons would flee. David would... If you don't get anything else this morning, you need to get, if I praise him, the demons will flee. If I praise him, the demons will flee. If I praise him, the demons will flee. There's a song out that says, your praise is a weapon. Your praise is a weapon. That's not just some song that some writers thought up that's some great catchy tune. No, 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 no. We sing it sometimes in the car. But let me remind you, your praise is dangerous. Your praise is not an exercise of futility. You don't praise him just because I asked you to clap your hands or I asked you to lift up your voice. Your praise is not some sort of action or interaction based on some sort of effective hysteria. We are not at a football game or we're not at a ball game and it's not just the synergy of 40,000 people in a stadium. No, 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 no. Ladies and gentlemen, your praise is a weapon. This is not Mark Waddle theology. This is not UPC theology. This is word of God theology. Your praise is a weapon because when David praised, demons would flee. When David praised, demons would flee. What if I tell you your praise is more powerful than David's praise? Well, how could that be? It's real simple. When David praised, he was under the law of Moses. He was under the law of the Old Testament. He was under the law of the Ten Commandments. David did not live under the era that we live under, the, under the, the age of grace and dispensation and the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection and the power of the end. David was never washed by the blood of the Lamb. David never, he repented of his sins, but he was never filled with the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. David was never baptized in the only name, the saving name of Jesus Christ. So when you praise, I'm here to tell you it's more powerful than David. David's praise. If when David prays, seven demons would flee, when you pray, 700 demons will flee. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Come on, somebody. Your praise is a weapon. And your praise is powerful. And your praise is dangerous. And your praise is contagious.
Some of you might need to come back at 11.15 because you might be awake enough to catch it then. I'm not trying to be rude, but I am trying to help you this morning. My goal is not to make you feel good. My goal is to make you make it to heaven. (laughs) There is a praise inside of you when we praise the Spirit's flee. See, the Spirit's tormented Saul. What does that mean? They haunted him. They kept him up at night. He thought about it at work. He thought about it when he was driving. These spirits tormented him. It means this, though, that when you praise, they can't haunt you. They can't torment you. They can't get in your mind. Why? Because you are praising the King of Kings, and your praise is a weapon. And in victorious, people are praisers. So we are worshipers, and we are praisers. Let me tell you this. There was a 10-year-old girl in the last few months that committed suicide in California. But right now as we speak, there are for the first time in America five and six and seven-year-old little children that are planning to commit suicide. And I'm not talking about the hoax that was on YouTube. I'm talking about real things in America. There are real kids that are suffering. And there are real kids that will commit suicide this month. There is a spirit of suicide in America. But ladies and gentlemen, we are the church. We are the church of the living God and we need to praise like we've never praised before in America. Why? Because I am not letting a spirit of suicide take Temecula. I'm not letting a spirit of suicide take California. I'm not letting a spirit of suicide take America. I will praise him like I've never praised him before. I will pray like I've never prayed before. I will worship like I've never worshiped before because we are the church of the living God. Come on, praise until depression leaves you. Praise until suicide flees. Praise Him until anxiety leaves. Praise Him until addiction falls off of you. Praise Him until the alcohol leaves you. Praise is a weapon. Praise is a weapon. Oh, praise Him one more time. Look at your neighbor and tell him, my praise is a weapon. It's 2020, and I'm coming out different. We know that Psalms 22 and 3 says that God inhabits the praises of his people. And I want to remind you that your praise is not always for you. Your praise is for somebody else. Go back to 1 Samuel 16, 23. David was playing the harp. And he played the harp, and what would happen? The demons would flee. But who would they flee? Saul. The demons weren't on David. The demons were on Saul. It wasn't David's issues that were dealt with when he praised. The demons of Saul began to flee. When you praise, it's not your demons that are being dealt with. You are setting other people free because of your praise. Instead of being negative, that somebody around you is not worshiping, why don't you just praise for them? Instead of your alcoholic husband and you just going in town on him and you telling him how, what a jerk he is, why don't you just begin to praise in your house? When he goes to work, you get around that bedroom and you just begin to praise him. 
What about your child that's so disrespectful and so arrogant and so entitled? What do you need to do? Quit yelling at them and start praising for them. Because as you praise, the demons will flee. As you praise, the demons will flee. What about your backslidden children? Quit crying about them and start praising for them. What about your lost loved ones? Quit griping about them and start praising for them because your praise is powerful. Your praise is a weapon. Your praise is dangerous. And your praise breaks the chains. Don't even tell your kids what you're doing. But when they get around you and they're driving you nuts, you just start praising the Lord. Let them think you're crazy. They already tell everybody you're crazy. If you don't know it, your kids tell their friends you're crazy, so you might as well be crazy. Well, my mom don't let me do nothing. That's right, because your mama's trying to keep your rear end saved. Well, my parents, I can't go out past 11. Who cares if they go out earlier in the day? They already say you're crazy, so you might as well be crazy, and you might as well praise the Lord, and your house might as well be filled with the praises of God than the demons that are tormenting your family. Your house can be filled with praise or it can be filled with demons. So what are you going to do? I'm going to fill my house. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. So I'm going to fill my house with praise because the demons have to flee. Victory is for those who know praise is a weapon. We got about nine minutes, dear Lord. Let me get to this. But all of a sudden, and I've just told you all this great stuff about praise, but we get to Psalm 19, 1 Samuel 19. And all of a sudden, the, the same praise doesn't work. Sam, first Sam 19, David plays the harp. Saul's tormented by the exact same spirit. But nothing happens this time. Saul gets so angry. He gets so ticked off. He picks up that javelin. He throws it at him. And I think David began to think, what did I do? What did I do wrong? How did I mess up? Sometimes God removes the spirit from somebody to make you uncomfortable so you don't stay where you're at. Because David wasn't just supposed to play music for the king. David was supposed to be the king. If Saul never tormented and chased David, David may never have been king. So there are things going on in your life and you don't know what's happening and you're questioning your call and you're questioning your anointing and you're questioning why you're in this deep river. Why am I struggling in this situation? Let me tell you, God is just shutting a door on somebody that you're not supposed to be with because he has a better destiny for you. He has a better place for you. So I don't know why this happened to me. It's okay. God shut the door and he's doing something else and opening a new door for you because you're not just supposed to be the servant that plays the harp. You're supposed to to be the king that leads the people. So God is moving. He's making you uncomfortable so you will leave your situation and out of your comfort zone. 
Every anointing has an assignment. You're not anointed randomly. You're anointed for a purpose. You have a plan. God has a plan for you. See, it was the same soul, it was the same harp, and it was the same spirit. But it was the wrong environment because the spirit had left Saul. There was nothing wrong with David. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with what you've done. You're, you question everything and you're wondering why, why am I being attacked? Let me tell you, it's just because God is moving you to something better. Just go through the waters. Just stay in the course. Just fall, because my Bible says that he lights the path of the righteous man, the word of God. Like, so stay in it. Don't, don't leave it. Because he would have stuck around with Saul. Him, him and Saul were too close. There were too many buddy buddies. See, God's saying, I'm going to make sure things don't work out here for you because I have something bigger for you. But I got to get you out of your comfort zone. Have you ever been in a place where God made you uncomfortable? Where things didn't work out? Relationships fell apart? People talked about you? That's when you need to give God a shout of praise because he's about to take you to the next. He's about to take you to the next. Victory is for those who know it's time to get away from a certain situation. Okay, so what did Saul do? He threw the spirit stuck in the wall. Put this in a perspective for you. The spear must have been thrown very hard because it stuck in the wall. Saul was a great warrior. It penetrated the wall. The amount of power behind the spear. The Bible says that it missed David and it ended up in the wall. The reason why you're here today and the reason why I'm here today standing behind this pulpit is because hell missed. How many times did the devil try to take you out? How many times did hell throw stuff your way? Yet you are here. You're in God's house. You are here lifting up the name of Jesus. Why? Because hell missed. Everything the devil threw your way, it missed. Every spear the devil threw, it missed. Everything and every option he tried, it didn't work. Because it missed. It missed. It missed. It missed. Look at your neighbor and say, it didn't work. He tried to take me out. It didn't work. Say, it missed. It missed. Now look up here. You are here because everything hell sent your way missed. Do you know how many spears have your name on it on a wall? Do you know how many spears have Mark Waddle on it in some wall? Do you know how many spears have your name on it somewhere in a wall? I'm not here standing because I'm great or how smart I am or how intelligent I am. I am here because by the power of God, hell missed. Do you know how many times I should have been dead? Do you know how many times I got in car accidents and flipped my car when I was a dumb teenager? But I'm here because hell missed. He tried to take you out as a teenager. He tried to take you out as a college student. But you're here because hell keeps missing. Hell keeps missing. You're here because hell keeps missing. Somebody ought to praise him because you're not in a drunken stupor. Somebody ought to praise him because you're not in a bar this morning. Somebody ought to praise him because hell missed.
darkness missed, death missed, addiction missed, divorce missed. You're here because hell missed. I need, I need you two guys. Come here. Brother John, when you're ready. So let, now don't really throw this. I, Matthew needs to live because hell missed, okay? Come over here, big dude. You're David today, okay? You're Saul. Be angry. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say nothing. Because the majority of time, you and I wish we were cognizant of the times the enemy launches a spear at us. You wish you knew every time. Just like that fighter pilot wishes he knew every time those six missiles were shot at him. He knew he didn't make it on his own. He knew God protected him. He knew it was a miracle that those six missiles that were on his tail, radar locked, missed him. He got off that jet and he got on that ground and he began to thank God that hell missed You wish you knew every time. You wish you were so smart we could see it coming. Be honest, you weren't even looking that way the last time the enemy threw something at you. You weren't even privy to the fact that the spears were being launched. And the reason you escaped is not because of your ability, your wherewithal, your brilliance. You are not Matrix. You are not Matrix. You can't. If you don't know that, ask somebody in their 20s. So I'm going to push you in a minute. So get ready. The reason you escaped the spear when it was launched your way is because the Bible says that he goes before you, behind you, all around you. Not only does he go before you and behind you, but goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. So when the enemy throws a spear at you and he tries to kill your dream, he tries to kill your purpose, he tries to kill your family, I'm here to tell you that it wasn't his aiming that was messed up. He wasn't aiming to, and he wasn't trying to play patty cake with you. He was going to take you out because the Bible says that he comes to uh, kill, steal, and destroy you. John chapter 10. He doesn't bluff. But Jesus came to give you life and give you life more abundantly. So when he launched the spear into your life, you didn't know it was coming. Let me tell you what you experienced. You were walking along in your life and all of a sudden you lost a job. All of a sudden you're walking along and somebody that was your friend totally turns their back on you and it crushes you. A relationship falls apart. And you get on your knees and you come to this altar and that's okay. And you begin to cry to God, why me? Why me? Why are they talking about me? Why are they leaving me? Why are they doing this to me? Why am I going through this? But the moment the enemy threw, this is what God did. I'm going to show you because we've got it confused. There were chapters in our life we asked God why. <laughs> You're going to fake throw, remember. And all of a sudden, fake throw. You don't know what's going. You're looking over there because there's a pretty girl. 
Throw it again. You're looking this way. There is a spear coming towards your head this way. And you're just doing your job. You're just going to church. You're just raising your family. And out of nowhere, you get this. And you begin to cry and complain because you're going through what you consider a trial. I would rather go through a trial than to have the spear in my head and be dead. I would rather him knock me off my course so the spear goes in the wall with my name on it. So instead of crying and complaining and whining, we need to praise God because he saved our life. How many spears have your name on it in some wall? How many spears have your name on it in some wall? How many spears have your marriage on it? Be honest. How many of our marriages are over on this wall and it's got divorce, divorce, affair, divorce, and then it's got your name suicide, depression, anxiety, and fear. And we cry over here and we cry because we're in the middle of what we consider a trial. No, we ought to thank God that the spear is in the wall and it's not in me. Here I am and I'm alive. Come on, give him praise in the house. You ought to praise him that you're here. You ought to praise him that your kids are over here worshiping the Lord. You ought to praise him that your kids are over there and somebody's teaching them how to be saved. You ought to praise him because your kids are in this building lifting up the name of Jesus. Hell missed. Hell missed. Hell missed. Hell missed. I invite you, I'm done, I invite you to just begin to praise him here because hell missed. Your praise is a weapon. Your praise is dangerous. Your praise breaks the chains off of people's lives. I praise him because hell missed. It felt like a trial. It felt like turbulence, but hell missed. Hell missed, you're still here. Hell missed, you're still here. You should be drunk somewhere. You should be a drug addict somewhere. You should be an alcoholic, but hell missed. You should be dead on the side of a road, but hell missed. I need some people to praise them for their spouse. I need some people to praise them for their children. I need some people to praise them for the person next to you. Your praise is powerful. Your praise is powerful. Your praise is powerful. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. That's it. Your praise is powerful. Your worship is powerful. You take what the enemy Turn he turns it for, it for good. good. He turns it for good. You turn it for good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You take Keep praising mama. Keep praising daddy. Keep praising brother. Keep praising sister. Thank you God help missed. Thank you God help missed. Don't give up mommy. Don't give up daddy. Keep praising him. Keep praising him. Keep praising him. What the enemy meant for evil. Keep praising him, brother. Keep praising him, friend. Keep praising him. You take what the enemy. You take what the enemy meant for evil. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy. Right now, praise Him for your spouse. Praise Him for your spouse. Praise Him for your spouse. Praise Him for your lost children. Praise Him for your backslidden family. Praise Him right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to see a victory. You're going to see it. You're going to see it. You're going to see it. I'm going to see. I'm going to see a victory. Yeah. I'm going to see a victory. Yeah. 